Hello, this is Julie Bindle, and for this episode, I'm speaking with Noor Norris, whose sister, Koala Salim, and niece, Raneem Uda, were murdered in 2018 by the extremely violent ex-partner of Raneem, Janbaz Tarin. It was marvellous having her around. Everyone thought she was my mum. And to lose her like this and not stand strong for her, I think I will let her down. She deserved better. The police could and should have protected these women, dealt with the perpetrator, and they would be alive today if they'd acted differently. And I travelled to Solihull to interview Noor a few weeks before the onset of the inquest, which concluded in November this year. And it concluded with a verdict from the jury that there were catastrophic police failings in the cases of Renine and Koala. It makes for difficult listening. This is going to be part of a podcast series where Nora and I will be discussing the issues relating to the murders of her loved ones and we'll be discussing how to improve the system and how to ensure that such catastrophes don't happen again. The inquest was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It's not only brought memories and uh, trauma, but actually by every day we were witnessing uh, new evidence that shows that the failure and how their respond to Raneem has led to her death. So I was faced with that every day. So it felt a little bit like was her, you know, in, on the call and and being released in the, in, the, in the court and everything around that it made me feel really devastated at times. I couldn't hold myself. And I did come out once and I said, this is like a horror movie. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But it's just knowing deep down that I'm doing this for good cause. One, number one, is because I want to really do this for my sister Marie and Ranim and get their justice, really, in life. Because they they deserve to live, you know? Every, every person deserves to have a life, and they want protected. So I was there to make sure they get their justice. And on the other hand, I didn't wish this to happen to anybody, and another person becomes a victim and lose their life. And I didn't want to see any more families that are going through... Uh, they, they, you know, I just didn't want to, anyone to experience what we went through. It's horrific. It's awful, and uh, any death, any homicide is awful. But when you know that, you know, certain uh, people, police, or any other sectors, uh, that the, their failure led for this to happen, then it's, it's even much worse. Much more worse to accept and much worse to actually uh, live with it. At what stage did you decide, if you did ever consciously decide, that you were going to campaign not only for justice for your sister and your niece, but actually start to be a campaigner on a wider scale against men's violence towards women? Uh, one day I was sitting in a court and I heard Raneem calling the police 
number n- numbers of time begging them for help and crying and that made me have a breakdown they had to stop the calls and I had to walk out and I was really upset and then after that I said you know she wasn't heard and today she hasn't got a voice and I want to be her voice she can't speak she can't be here to explain herself and I want to do that for her not just for her it's for my sister as well and for all the victims who at the time they're not they don't you know no one hears them enough no one really take care of their situation they are left on their own and then they lose their life and their voice get lost again until another murder comes along and i wanted to be her voice i wanted to be any victim's voice you know before i want justice i wanted one thing and i kept saying this you know it's it's all very well to get to the point when you get the justice but why why can't we make an awareness before why can't we change the law before why can't we prevent that from happening why do we have to be put in situation when we have to fight for for you know to get the justice why do we have to do that why can't we do something before that and that's when it really hit me you know it's actually the awareness of of the mastic abuse the awareness of what could happen the awareness of how close to every home the mastic abuse is and how bad the situation was in the police forces um that could lead anyone who's under any kind of threat to you know um uh, to be murdered so i always said since i started the inquest that uh, today i'm asking for justice but but tomorrow when this finish i'm going to ask for changes to prevent future death you said to me that renim was more frightened or as frightened of social services as she was the perpetrator that's quite incredible for some people to hear just explain how that happened how that fear built up to the point of where she was so scared to even tell them the truth about what he was doing uh the social work uh, built social workers built to actually support the mother and the child unfortunately we don't see that we see more majority of the time is they're there for the child and renim did she never never ever when she was around the social worker felt secure as in the sense that they're there for her they're only there to protect the child so they will always come after any incidents that she has reported and she never said you know um uh, i was lying or, or you know or or the incident didn't happen she didn't do that she just said i don't want to proceed I that I wish to take this any further because she was scared for her life and her loved one's life but because of the perpetrator and because she could see the police are not doing anything but then she used to have the social worker coming to her house straight after because the police have a duty to report to them and that's the point when she started to feel under pressure to ask him to leave now if we look at the domestic abuse situation now a woman in domestic abuse situation that she can't ask the perpetrator to leave because that's the most dangerous time for her and clearly happened to her anyway when she left the perpetrator her name but back to the point of the social workers 
is when they come and they say, well, we heard that you reported him abusing you. Now, if you don't remove him from your life, we're going to take a child away. So imagine a mother who, who is a very young and vulnerable and, and a loving woman like my sister, her, hearing that at age 22. And it must be devastating, you know, for someone to come and say, we're going to take a child away. And she's, her son is only two and her life is attached to him. You know, everything she does is for him. She sees the whole world through his eyes. And someone comes along and say, you know what, this abuser of yours, if you don't remove him, we'll take your child away. Easy said. But how complicated is it to be done? They had no heart in, that, in this at all. And yet the police weren't helping Raneem to get rid of the perpetrator. Had they taken him away, ensured that she was safe from him, social services needn't have been concerned about the safety of the child. Because by protecting Raneem, they would have protected her son. Absolutely, yes. Uh, uh, say on the 2nd of April 2018, she called the police and she was crying, begging for help. And she revealed from that day everything she's been through, everything's happening to her and everything might happen to her. So she's very, very clear. So that call was the, like the tip of the iceberg was had it all in that call and that call in her mind um made it like okay they didn't come out for me they didn't do anything for me it's never gonna happen and when you when you're under that kind of violent and you release that much information to the police and they still don't do anything you start to lose trust in them and that made the perpetrator actually abuse her using that against her, say, oh, okay, look, even the police don't believe you. I can manipulate the police. I can tell them things. They'll believe me. They won't believe you. And that, that kind of pattern, we've, we saw that throughout the, the court hearing. Uh, Raniam, after reporting a few times to the police, she actually stopped. And only report came to the police is by the neighbour hearing her screaming. So they all failed... Renim, and in the end, they failed Renim and Kuala, and there were two murders that, of course, not only could but should have been prevented. The perpetrator came from a culture where he was expected to dominate women, where he was told that women are inferior, where there was no punishment for men. In fact, there was a celebration of men who kept women in line. So he was almost raised by the Taliban. He was educated by the Taliban. His mindset was that men could and would get away with this. How much did the police understand that additional danger, therefore, that Renin was in? Uh, this is something we faced throughout the court. Um, that was there was no uh, sufficient sufficient training was made for the well made for the police and they were not combined to actually attend any training and uh, in domestic abuse is crucially important is to attend those training um, they could not just knowing what domestic abuse but actually knowing the law behind it so let's talk a little bit about the domestic abuse in itself domestic abuse is an umbrella but there is the what triggers all this in a man could be different reasons, could be a culture issues, 
could be a religion issue, could be um, a way of understanding or whatever, etc. Could be many things. So when you have a, a, a proper training, you get to have a look at what the master abuse and what is the science behind someone's been abused. Is it uh, the way the way they do things? Is it their culture? Is it the way they actually behave around the victims? How the victim behave? Because then the beha you know the behavior of a victim becomes quite uh, different than, uh, like for instance, Renim would sometimes would show a brave face, and she's fine, because she the more confident she got, the more relaxed the police was, and the more risk she was under. So they didn't see the signs because they weren't trained. And those who were trained were trained years ago. And even the ones who, very few were trained, but they had no idea what really, they couldn't even remember what went on in their training. But now talking about the policy in the training, uh, the policy says in, in a domestic abuse, which the law stands very clear. It's not like there isn't a law. There is a law that says that if, if the victim of domestic abuse mainly um, doesn't want to proceed and take this, uh, taking the per perpetrator further in action, uh, then the police has a right to override her will because always victims will, will whatever, whenever they release to their police, they'll always withdraw because they, they get scared of the perpetrator. So if they knew about, if they had a training and knew about all this, they would be able to put one, Two to two together and 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 come up with a with an understanding of what's happening and protect those vulnerable women. I saw a snapshot of who Renim was, who Koala was. I saw Renim just through the way that her her family have spoken about her, about the way she was described by you uh, and others during the inquest. She was a strong and confident young woman. She was actually quite independent and the sort that would not stand for anything unless she really felt terrified for her life. She was defiant. The reason why I'm saying this is because there's such a stereotype about who a victim of domestic abuse is. And actually no woman fits that stereotype Either they are too passive and then it's their fault because he walks all over her because she asks for it. Or she's too willful and contrary and therefore it annoys him so he has to keep her in line. Women can't win, can they? But tell us a little bit about Renim and about Koala and about their characters and their lives and who they actually were. Um, Renim had a, a very strong independent character she knew what she wanted and she had the most jolly she was the most jolly jolliest person I've ever met in my life and uh, being jolly and happy and cheerful and strong and powerful she inherited that all from my sister so no surprise that she had those things but my sister had a little bit more Leaning way towards her, she she she, she will always be a bit extra soft and be like she you couldn't really like um, convince her 
not to help somebody who's who has been who's been nasty to her she couldn't do that because she all she she had in her is a lot of lot of love and that's all she had so she had that a little bit used to be she used to see it as weakness but obviously it's a beautiful thing Ranim on the other hand she had a bit more steady on um controlled way of thinking but both of them they were very protective of each other and their families and they tried to help each other that night so my sister had the chance to get home and the perpetrator was was hurting her daughter and she heard him from a distance she ran back to her daughter to save her so she did what the police couldn't do she she did it with her own two pair hands and i never knew my sister be so strong like that until that night i was like i was so shocked i always thought she's she had some because she had so much love and forgiveness that was a weakness but i didn't realize she is actually really really strong so she proved to us she was stronger than even than Nurim and all of us and sometimes i wonder and i sit and think you know um my sister would be very upset with me today if i'm not strong for her and Ranim and she taught me how to be strong she has because she used to be my sister my mother and my friend she's my older sister i remember her bathing me i remember her i remember myself sleeping next to her in a night when i was a little girl i remember her taking me shopping i was growing around her all the time I remember being married and being there for me. I remember her coming to UK after a few years after arriving in the UK and I was I started to lose my my sense with my country my because I came here very young and I even started to lose my language and my stuff and you know like my culture background a bit. And she came and uh, she made that all back to life. she will cook for me she will mother me she will, and I'll tell her all my problems she made my life much more joyful you know i remember first time i actually after she came to, from syria to uk and that's like in 2001 or 2 yeah but 2002 haula she came to uk and uh, she made me laugh so much i actually ended up crying and i remember her looking at me and said what's wrong with you you're just laughing so much and then you cry i said to her khola i forgot how it feels to actually laugh from your, from the bottom of your heart and i really felt alive that day and i didn't want to let go of her i didn't want her to go back to syria and i did whatever it takes for me to keep her in the uk and i did and so every morning we'll have breakfast we'll have coffee together So it was marvelous having her around. Everyone thought she's my mom and to lose her like this and not stand strong for her. I think I will let her down. She deserved better. I'm sure that you gathered from listening to Noor what a passionate campaigner she is. She is determined to make a difference for all women in abusive relationships. She wants to extend her campaign for justice far and wide and 
I want to give her all the support I can. And I hope you will too. Till next time.